Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. How to plan and grow for the next phase. I have a good idea of what I want my life to be. I'm in a weird thing. I'm already living my life. I don't work that much. I put in like 35 to 40 hours a week. The firm, my daily cash just runs pretty consistently, but I just want to grow my rental income to a portfolio size so that I can exit on a group rate and really get that cap rate compression and sell $35 million worth of property for 40 million and uh, just collect the Delta yeah. for the privilege. Let's get dig into the hard numbers here. What's your net worth, adjusted gross income. Yeah. Where, where are we at with those kind of two key stats? So depending how you value the real estate, it's probably 75% of net worth. Net worth is like right over a million. That's not including primary. I don't know how you guys typically do that. I don't know. We include, include our... primary. That's your net. So your net worth is defined as all your assets minus okay. all your liabilities, like your debts or mortgages. So people essentially, if somebody, yeah, yeah kids. somebody stole your kids and they wanted as much money, how much could you like sure. liquidate everything in about a few weeks? Could you get essentially? Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're probably closer to 1.5 then I'd say 1.5 because we're super low leverage on our, on our primary, but yeah. So one five and again, half of that's in, in commercial real estate. I have no, no SFR rentals anymore. It's, it's all the industrial stuff. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe me. Um, I want to become an accredited investor. Can you tell me any good freaking reasons why you want to own little rental properties, right? Like liability, headache. If, so if not, the, a lot of the, us would love to sell ours. We got the whole yeah, mastermind but, looking to sell their remaining rentals. So. I think this is a good time to sell. You, you you have the same problem and we face that too, which is if you sell, what do you do with the money? Because that is a existential problem at every single price point. Whether you're looking to sell like a $100,000 rental, you're looking to sell a $10 million triple net, or you're looking to sell a $100 million REIT portfolio, what do you do with the money that generates a higher return than you're currently getting? Because if we're getting that 10% cash on cash right now, we bought at a good price. Our mortgage is quite low. We just cash flow on it. I don't know necessarily what I would buy right now. If you put a gun to my head and said, here's an extra million dollars, it's a challenge, right? It's deal flow is the hardest part. But yeah, I, I would say sell SFR as soon as you can, because at least for, for us and for our family, we make about 400 to 500 a year, depending on the business. But we save or invest about a hundred or two hundred a year, and so that reloads the kitty for us to buy new buildings every year. And but you're, and but you're also the dude who thought that Dallas 2017 wasn't going to go up. Right? Yeah, not to say it didn't go up more. <laughs> I wanted to simplify my rental portfolio at that time because I with six with six roofs, I was even with a property manager, I was always having emails like a water heater went out. Oh, the dishwasher broke here. Oh, this, oh, this happened. Oh, that happened. Oh, the tenants complained about it. It was just annoying. And so I felt like it was still an incredible investment. If you think about, I was cash flowing on a rental. I had property managers, so I wasn't doing a whole lot. And then when I sold for a pretty good appreciation, I was like, Hey man, I'm, I'm super happy with it. It was like banking profits. I love I say this quote, you'll never go broke banking a profit. 
And so there's nothing, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, for sure. I, and even in, in 2017 or 2018, I thought uh, a lot of multifamily syndications were overpaying for properties in, in my area. Because I got a lot of friends that are syndicators and they wanted me to throw in money, but they were just overbuying what I thought, overbuying, overpaying for some really crappy apartments. And they're laughing all the way to the bank when they make 300% return in two years. And yeah. larger high net worth families, like over your 10, 25, they're always going to ask to allocate to, they're always going to have a portion of your portfolio, whether that portion is 5%, 50% in asymmetric return. So they're always mm -hmm. going to have that play, which you don't. In terms of net worth, you got some movement to go, man. You got to get up to four or five million before you can start to play defense. The way I look at, so I, I'm coming from a different perspective, right? Like I also thought in 2016, 17, I was at a different coffee shop and I thought things were a little overheated myself, yeah. but I had also seen this same thing. I, you know, I started investing in 09, 2012. I'm like, wow, this is getting really expensive. Then 2014, wow, this is getting really expensive. Once you go through three of these spaces in your own head, you start to realize that it's just you. And I mm -hmm. think what you start to see is a lot of people, they're still in that first, second go round in their own head and they think, oh, it's going to go up. And then they start to see that rogue internet form or random YouTube channel that's just trying to sell views and they get all freaked out. You never have a crystal ball. So my thing, the buy box is go, what do you do, right? With the money, if you were to sell those rental properties, you buy stuff yeah. that hits a 1.25, that service coverage ratio. Why? Because that's what the... The professional banks do, for goodness sakes. Copy what the pros do instead of us amateurs, right? Copy what the pros do. They go into stuff that cash flows. If it has some value add, awesome. But the the metaphor that I use is, let's say we're trying to climb a mountain, and that's what we are. And if you're at 1.5 million, if you're under 3 million, you still got to be climbing this mountain. Where you're at is it's so windy and stormy. 1.5 ain't jack, right? You're, you have a couple kids. They're going to blow that stuff easily. The reason why we say four or five million net worth is you can give a couple kids that, and it's kind of hard for them to screw up. You can take five million, divide it, right? Three million at 10% is two few hundred thousand dollars past a cash flow a year. It's hard to screw that up, but kids are amazing, right? They can probably screw it up really hard. I'm sure. Now you're seeing that 1.25, four million is not enough. So we're trying to climb this mount. So if we can, I don't know if you've ever done like Patagonia type of stuff. I've never had on like the cold, but the way I watch the videos on YouTube is they tie off, right? They, they go up, they tie off because what? If the rock breaks or the market collapses or there's a reset, right? The pandemic, they fall, but they don't die. They just fall that 10 feet from where mm. they, they tied off. And in a way, that's what the cash flow deals, 1.25 debt service coverage ratio is. And then they, they aggressively climb. So you could think of that as they're still going into more asymmetric type of deals. And for you, that might mean stabilized assets with a little bit of value add. For me, it might mean yeah. putting into venture capital, right? Like, I think that's where personally we might be different or people range. Everybody has their own risk tolerance. And I think 
But the reason I like your opinion or respect your opinion is because we're at least more risk-friendly, risk-loving in that we're in real estate at all. I go to these conferences for family office and private equity stuff and, and commercial real estate is still an alternative investment. They're so focused on just stocks and bonds and fixed income and different types of financial products. That is their bread and butter. All they just talk about is equities and Oh, owning commercial real estate or REITs, like, oh, that's an alternative asset class. And that's something that we have embraced. And I'm comfortable with that risk, the lack of liquidity, all this stuff, property tax. I think that makes sense. We, we're aligned on. But I, I agree problem. with what they do. I, I think I see, I want to know your thoughts on this. The reason why they think that is like with real estate, it's predicated on the operator and the people. And that's where you can go wrong with this. If you work with dishonest people who are, or incompetent people, then yeah, it's going to go bad. And, and that's what they describe as counterparty risks. Yeah. Things go wrong in big companies, but it kind of works its way out internally. You don't really have that too much. Whereas real estate, or these alternate, they see as alternative in that investments. It is a risk in their eyes because it's based on the people. But if you can mitigate that by building a community around you with people who've worked with people in the past, I think that's a appropriate way of mitigating the risk but i get it from their point of view and part of me too you, you think about the number and everybody has their number it's like would i take that money if you told me the choice of selling the next whatever a couple of years of my life and said i'll just hand it to you in cash do i just put it into the vt max vti and just let it ride on just straight dividend i don't think so because to me that's not Fun. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.